This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this week's Pasha is Pasha Kedoshim. Achimos Kedoshim. There's a joke they say. Achimos Kedoshim. After you die, everyone's holy. When people, after they die, everyone talks about them like, oh, he was a tzaddik, she was a tzaddik, she was a tzaddik. So Achimos Kedoshim, I don't think it's so funny, but whatever, it's a... Anytime that Achimos Kedoshim together, that's what everybody says. Today we're going to take up a question that a bunch of girls asked me this week. And it has to do with Kedoshim a little bit. A little bit. Okay. So, the Pazik says the following. Speak to, God, to the whole Klai Yisrael. Tell them to be holy. Why should you be holy, everybody? Why should you be holy? Says the Pazik, because I'm holy. Because God is holy. That's why we should be holy. Right? Does that make sense? Because of course God is holy. God is God. I'm a human being. So I should be holy because God is holy? The answer is yes. Because we are, we are, we are created in the image of Hashem. We are actually a part of Hashem. So a brain cell is a brain cell. So the rest of the cells in the brain are also brain cells. So we're part of God. And if God is holy, and I'm part of God, so I have to, I'm also holy. Not only that, I am intrinsically holy. I have the potential to be holy. And, and, and that's what really we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, that in God's world, potential and actuality is the same thing. We spoke a little bit about it last week. We're going to continue to talk about it a little bit more this week. But let me tell you what happened this past week. Um, a group of girls, actually four girls, um, said they want to come speak to me. Okay. They came to speak to me. They sat down, and one of the girls who was a spokesman for the other girls said, Rabbi Wallace, I want to ask you a question. Don't judge me by what I'm asking. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Why, why do you think God is any different than, than, any, than, a human, than any person, than any human being? I'm like, what do you mean? God's creator, whatever. No, she said, no, you see, you see, when you're nice to someone, they're nice to you. When you're not nice to someone... They're not nice to you. When you keep the Torah and mitzvos, Hashem's nice to you. When you do Averos, oh, you get sick. You go to hell, get Hedem, and oh my gosh. When you do the... So like, why is he any different than, than, than a person? person you're nice to, they're nice to you. Hashem you're nice to, he's nice to you. Where is there any difference between Hashem and a person? So that was their question, and coming from the way they looked and the way they were dressed, they were very firm girls. So this wasn't a question I expected to come from them, but you know what? It's a good question. It's sort of in the realm of Tzadik Varaloi. Fair question, right? It seems to be that if you're good, Hashem loves you. If you're not good, Hashem doesn't love you. Of course, that's not true. But they felt very much that Judaism, Yiddishkeit, the Torah that Hashem gave us, yeah, you keep the Torah, He's good with you. If you don't keep the Torah, He's not good with you. It's something that I get a lot from girls, from guys, from girls who are off the derech and feel very much that their parents don't love them but love the religion they keep. So the minute we don't keep religion, you throw me out of the house. So that proves that when I was keeping a long skirt and doing keeping Shabbos and davening, you let me stay in the house. But the minute I stopped doing that, you threw me out of the house. So you don't love me, you love the Torah. I don't keep the Torah, you throw me out. I keep the Torah... You keep me home. I get that a lot from kids that are off the derech and got thrown out of their houses. And, and the parents are trying to say to them, no, it's not that. It's I love you, but sometimes I just don't love the things you do. Kids don't, don't go for that answer. It's like, hello, it's the same thing, right? But it's very true. What does love mean? What does it mean loving a kid? What does it mean liking? Some people love their children. Some children love their parents, but they don't like them. In other words, what does that mean? That's many times the question is like, I know you love me, Ma, but you don't like me. What does that mean? How can I love you and not like you? And the answer is, is that if I wasn't your daughter, you wouldn't talk two words to me. You don't like me as a person. If I wasn't your daughter, you would not have anything to do with me. The only reason you have something to do with me is because I'm your daughter. So you love me, but you don't like me. So does Hashem love us and not like us if we don't keep the mitzvahs? What's going on over here? It's a, it's a very big question. 
And I'll tell you what I answer them. I think it's very important for that. It's to share, actually. It's to share. So first of all, Kadosh Hashem tells you, I'm Kadosh, you're Kadosh. So he's giving us a big compliment. That here's, here's the compliment. Hashem's telling us, Kadoshim to you, be, be holy because I'm holy. So what is he telling us? He's telling us that we could be on a level of God. In other words, he's holy. He has something, right? And he's telling us, you could have the same thing. That's the ultimate compliment. Be a nice person because I'm a nice person. Because I have a nice me that you could have a nice me. What do you mean? I'm a rotten person. Right, but you could be a nice person. Because I can never ask you to do something that you can't do. So in the Torah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful beginning of a parasha. Kedoshim to you, you be holy. You know why? Because I'm holy. Which means you could be like me. You have the potential of being holy. Why? Because I'm holy. Which means I'm godly, I'm holy. So that means every person could be godly and holy. Wow. It's a, it's a mind, it's a, it's a beautiful compliment. Because Hashem could say like, you can't be holy. It's a horror. You're human. You don't live forever. What could you ever be? You, you know, you're off of Afer. You come from the dirt. You go to the dirt. You end up with the worms. You're nobody. You're nothing. I'm God. You're a human worm. No, the Pussy says, I'm God. I'm holy. You can be God. You can, can't be God, but you can be holy just like God. You have to walk away and say, like, Wow. Well, I could be Babe Ruth. Well, it's not for you girls. It's a boy's share. I could be Babe Ruth. I could hit a home run every two times I get up there. I could be, could be amazing. Imagine someone says to you, you, your midos are so nice, you could be Sari Imenu. You'd be like, wow, that is so cool. My teacher thinks of me on that level that I could be Sari Imenu. In this week's Pasha, Hashem says, you could be Kadosh. Even though you're just a human being, why could you be Kadosh? Because you're part of me. And I am holy. You are godly. You are created with Selim Ali Kim. It is the ultimate compliment. But how do people look at it? Oh, I get to be holy because Hashem is holy? Hashem's Hashem. I'm not Hashem. Why does he put this pressure on me? Why do I have to be holy? He's not, not putting pressure on you. He's complimenting you. So that's how I opened up to the girls. But... I want to show you how wrong they are. So, they feel, if you keep the Torah, it's all about Hashem wanting you to listen to what He has to say, and what He wrote, and His mitzvahs, and He doesn't really care about you, He just cares about your mitzvahs. So I said, that's ridiculous. And I'll tell you why it's ridiculous. I don't just say things are ridiculous. I said, I'll explain to you why it's ridiculous. He gave us a Torah, he gave us 613 mitzvahs. And it's much more important than me, right? That's what they were saying to me. I said, let me tell you something. If your life is in danger, the halacha is that all 613 mitzvahs you could break. Somebody's life's in danger. Hatzalah, right? Someone's life's in danger. I should give a Shabbos, be mechalal Shabbos. If you're not mechalal Shabbos, you let the person die, you're committing a big avera. Someone's life is in danger, and the only food you can feed him is pig. Feed him pig. There's no mitzvah in the Torah, except the three cardinal mitzvahs of you can't commit adultery, and you can't kill somebody, and you can't bow down to an idol. That a person, you la- that a person is not allowed to break to keep himself alive. Now, the three cardinal mitzvahs, which is adultery, and you're not committing adultery, you're not allowed to bow down to an idol, and you're not allowed to kill a person... If someone came over to you and put a gun to your head and said, bow down to Buddha. Buddha's an avoid desire. It's a clay, right? And he has a gun to your head and you're like, well, I'm supposed to tell him, shoot me, right? Instead of bowing down to Buddha because that's the halacha. But I really want to live. So she bows down to Buddha. According to the Shulchan Aruch, are you chayiv? And the answer is no. Why? You're supposed to give up your life? Because you're an einish. Somebody forced you to do it. So all 613 mitzvahs that Hashem gave, He tells you, you, that's what I told the girls, you, everyone in this room, come before me. 
I gave you 630 mitzvahs. Don't have to keep any of them when it comes to somebody's life. Every human being, every person to save a life, there's no mitzvah that you have to keep if it comes to saving a person's life. So I say, girls, what's more important to Hashem, you or the mitzvahs? It must be you if he's saying that if you're going to die, you're allowed to, you're allowed to break all his mitzvahs. Kaddish Baruch was saying straight up and straight open that you're more important. Let's go into two weeks ago, last week's Pasha. Last week's Pasha was Tazriya Umetzaira. Tazriya Umetzaira talks about, we spoke about it, Tazriya Umetzaira talks about um, person speaks Lashon Hara, he gets a spiritual malady which comes out physically, and he comes to the Kohen. He comes to the Kohen, and he has Saras. And the Kohen has to make him Tomei, and send him out of the Machana. He comes to the Kohen, and he has Saras on his hand. The Kohen knows, white, two, two white hairs in the Saras. It looks three-dimensional. It's got all the symptoms, no, no question. And he's about to say, Tomei. And the guy says, I, I just, I, I just want to apologize to you, Cohen. You're like, what? I didn't, I forgot to invite you to my wedding. Hey, Mavotov, when'd you get married? Two days ago. Two days ago? Yeah, two days ago. The halacha is, the Cohen has to look away and say, go back to your kala. He's not allowed to make him tummy. Even though he sees that he has saras. Why? Why? He has saras. Say tame. The guy deserves it. He spoke Lashon Hara. He got the saras already. The guy deserves it. And the Teretz is, Kirsch says, even though he has saras, we cannot separate him from his Kali, even though he's not allowed to physically be with his Kali anymore after the first night for at least that time, right? Doesn't matter. She, she, she just got married. She can't be home alone. So Kohen, you cannot say Tomei. So the Machlokas, he has to look away and say nothing, or he has to say Tahar. Machlokas, that's the halacha. Now you tell me that the person and the halacha is more important to God, right? That you keep the halacha, or that you keep Shalom bias. So the halacha is, he sends him home. Shulchan Aruch also says, let's say he shows up at the Kayin two days before Yontif. And we know that he has to be locked away at least for seven days. He shows up two days before the Kayin, knocks on the door. Who is it? I have Saras. I need you to look at it. What are you talking about? It's Yantif in two days. You, you, you gotta be home with your kids and your family. Allah is that before Yantif, you're not allowed to look at his nega and say that he's Tameh. Because he has to go home to be with his family for Yantif. I said, girls. The guy has Saras. He spoke Lush and Hara. He got what he deserved. Yantif, what? We send him home to have Cholot and Kogel and Kishka? He deserves to be at Chutzlamachne. The Teretz says, no. No. Yantif is coming. Yantif comes before Hashem's halacha. Shalom Bayez comes before Hashem's halacha. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always putting the human being in front of himself. Now, there's another halacha in Pashas Mitzrayim. If someone sees a white, a white fungus growing on his house, he has to call the Kayan to come look at it because the first place Hashem sends you a warning, sends you Tzeras, is on the walls of your house. If you don't learn the lesson... He sends it on your clothing. It gets closer to you. If you don't learn a lesson, it's on your skin. So, the Torah tells us that before you go to the Kayan and call him to, right, you run to the Kayan, you're like, oh my gosh, I think my house has Saras. The Kayan says, listen, I'm not coming right now to your house because I want you to take the couches, the living room, the jewelry, the clothing, everything you want you have in the house, you need to get out of the house now. Get it all out of the house and send me a message and then I'll come look. Why? Because once the client says Tameh, everything in the house becomes Tameh. Everything becomes Tameh. So Hashem says, 
Tell the guy to empty everything out of his house. So at least if the house becomes tummy, he can still have his clothing and his jewelry and everything else. God is always worried about the human being. Your shalom bias, your yontif, your clothing in your house. He's always worried to take care of us. So we're girls, you get this idea that to God, his religion is more important than you. It's the only, it's the only religion like that. In, in, in the Islam religion, you don't, you don't break the religion to save someone's life. You don't break the religion. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as breaking the religion to save someone's life. And our, the mitzvah in the Torah, as Hashem says, the chaybahem. I want you to live with them. I'm not a, a dictator. It's just the opposite. There is no other religion that the human being's life comes before any of the mitzvahs or anything else that they're commanded. It's only by us. It's the exact opposite. Yes, what do you want to ask? Islam, it actually is. You're supposed to break any religious appointment. How do you know that? And that's what you were taught? I thought that you're supposed to die for Islam. So why do they why do they blow people up all the time and kill themselves and their children? They have a lot of moon, I guess. You know, they do it for God. No, no, but you just said you can't do that. You're not supposed to do it for anyone. But they are. According to the, their book. But according to their book, in the name of the Lord, you're allowed to hurt everybody. Kill the... No, I read it. it Kill the infidel. I read it. It says that in the Quran. Okay, but I don't know... One second, what does that mean? Kill the infidel, what does that mean? Kill the infidel. Kill people who aren't Muslim. So, so life doesn't mean anything. So halakhically today, you are... To, no, you are because Mishum Eva. Mishum Eva. But you're, that's different than killing someone. Right, but... I'm not saying saving... No. Sure it is. No, it's very different. But you're not you're not no. you're not taking the life of a person and killing them. If you don't help them, you're taking If someone's drowning in the, if someone's drowning in a river and I decide I don't want to jump into that river, I did not kill that person. If you can swim I didn't kill that person. That's my choice. That's my choice. But if I take someone and throw them in the river, I kill them. There's a, there's a difference. So when, when they're saying you should kill, kill the infidel, and I don't... Yeah, but that's a whole... That's a very different... That's a very big question. And the bottom line is we don't know who they are, so we can't kill anybody. Right, so that was, that was a mitzvah in... It, there was a, it was a mitzvah in just... Not the infidel, not the guy. They kill the guy. We don't have a mitzvah to kill the guy. I mean, I'll kill the guy. That was a Malik who came against Israel as an enemy to destroy us and wipe us out the face of the earth. So it's like saying, kill a Nazi. If he's coming to kill you, he's coming to destroy you. And that was a Malik's job. He was coming to destroy us. I happen to know stories of Muslims that killed Muslims because they broke the law. Because they married out of the, out of the girl. No, no, not both like that. Where a girl married out of Islam, and they took her to the back many times, and they, their law is, and, and they buried her in the backyard, and it happens very, you can't, you can't step out. If you step out, you're, you're, you're in big trouble. But it does say in their, in their religion that the infidel has to be destroyed. So I don't know about, I don't know about saving someone else's life. If you're allowed to break the law, I will, I will check that, um, but I don't think that's what's kept. Um, if you say that's what it says, I will, I will definitely look into it. No, kill her. No, that's not the same. That's not the same. It's okay. It's okay if, it's okay if they, Sit shiver for her, and then she goes off to wherever she goes. But you can't, you can't kill her for stepping. We don't kill a girl that marries a guy. He's a murderer. But it's not, it's not a singular thing. It's, 
it seems to be in the religion, at least I know a Tunisian girl who became a, who became a gear who told me that, that if, you, if you marry out, you're dead. They will find you, even if you run to America. You shame the family. You're... Not everyone's the same. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everyone's the same. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. You know what? Her parents came to her wedding too. Her parents came to her wedding too. But she, in 770, that's really religious. Baruch Hashem. So what did they think? No, what did they think of the whole 770? The whole wedding? Baruch Hashem. Where are you from? I hear you. That's interesting. We are, one day you have to tell us your story, how you came from Pakistan to, to Flatbush. <laughs> Definitely got to be an interesting story, for sure. Or Hashem. You know what it says about Gairim? It says, why, why do some people become Gairim and some people don't? Like, why non-Jewish people, and we try to talk you out of it. I mean, you went through the whole thing, right? So why do some become that? So the Zayar says two reasons. He says that there are two reasons that a non-Jew becomes a Gary, even though we try to talk him out of it. One, when Sari Imenu made the party for Yitzchak, for Yigomel Yitzchak, and she made a big party. So the story was going around that this 90-year-old woman, married to Avram, got pregnant, had a baby, everyone was laughing. Are you crazy? You know what they did? They went out and adopted a little baby. And Avram, who was preaching God, made up a story and said... A miracle, we have a baby. Like, come on. 90-year-old woman, 99-year-old man. Nah, it didn't happen. Lutzani Hadar, they all said, no, this is not a true story. He's trying to sell God. So he made up this story. So Kush Bochum made, made a miracle, the manager says. And she was, she was nursing, right? He gummel means that she just finished nursing. So he, he gave her the ability to nurse. Every woman that was invited to the party with her husband gave her child to, to Sarah, and Sarah nursed them. Now, if you could nurse, you could have a child. So Kishboch made a miracle, a whole day, all she did was nurse all the people that are making fun of her. You didn't have a baby, give me a baby, I'll nurse her. Yeah, you're 90 years old, you can't nurse nobody. And she nursed her, they're like, wow, she really had a baby. So the Zayar says that all those babies that nursed from Sarah Menu their great-great-great-grandchildren, because of the Kedusha that they nursed from Sarimeno, will become Gerim. That's one Zaya. So, the other Zaya says, interesting, that when I Kedush Baruch we know that when I Kedush, coming up Shuas, he went to all the nations. And he asked all the nations, you want the Torah? Do that not steal, not for us. You shouldn't kill, not for us. You shouldn't commit adultery, not for us. Right? But the truth is, that that was only some of the representatives of the nations. But there were some people in the nations that said, I want the Torah. The people who were in control said, we don't want the Torah, the leaders. But there were regular people who said, I, I really want the Torah. But be, being that the, the, the leaders said no, they didn't get it. So the Zoyar says that the neshamas of the people that said, we want the Torah, but they didn't get it because of their leaders, their children became Gerim. So whichever the story is, you're coming from a good place. That's for sure. And that's why we have to treat Gerim better than we treat other Jews. You know that? 13 times in the Torah. It says, Ki Gerim, it, 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 it should have been in my book on Hakar Satov, maybe in the next book, but the Torah says, why should you treat Gerim, right? Why should you treat Gerim better than a regular Jew? Ki Gerim hiyisim be'eretz Mitzrayim. Gerim hiyisim? Ooh, slaves. Mitzrayim. They beat us! They took our kids and threw them in the Nile River. So because I was in Mitzrayim, that's why I should treat a ger better because once upon a time I was a ger. It wasn't a ger, it was a slave. Akaraz HaToyv is such a deep thing, appreciation. You're right. They whipped you, they beat you, they threw your kids in the world. But did they feed you? Did they house you? Did you end up getting all their gold when you left? You owe them. It's, 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 it's one of the things about HaKadosh Baruch I owe them the guy beat me I know but he gave you to eat he gave me to eat right so even though he beat you he's going to get it for that but you have to have you have to have recognition that he gave you to eat and I tell when I talk to kids about Kibbutz of Aim 
kibbutz of aim. So everyone thinks kibbutz of aim is because I owe them a korosatoyv. So some kids are like, "Are you kidding me? I have abusive parents. I I owe them a korosatoyv. I would be much better not in this world. They brought me into this world. I owe them something for that. I didn't want to be in this world. Kids say that all the time to me. It's like I didn't ask them for this. They decided to have a kid. So I have to. I, so I, I I have to. I have to appreciate it. I would have been much better not being here. So why do I have to have kibbutz of aim? The answer is, did she burp you? Did she die for you? Did she take you to the doctor? Did she nurse you? Did she feed you? Did she get up at 2 o'clock in the morning? Even though you're not having a good life, hakaras hatov, you know, what does the word hakaras hatov mean? Not, not that someone did you good. The recognition of the good. So yes, my parents brought me to the world, and they, they beat me up, and they did this, and they did that, and they don't love me, and da, 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 and I wish I wouldn't be here, and I'm depressed, and that, ah, ah, ah. bottom line, hakarsatov means, and, that's all the bad stuff. Now let's talk about the good stuff. You're an artist, you're able to do art, you're a musician, you're going to school, you're learning, they're supporting you, they gave you to eat. Of course, doesn't give them a right to abuse you, chas v'shalom. Hakarzatov means that even though if the person's doing everything for me, it's not a karzatov, it's tov. I don't, I don't need to if you if I give you money and I support you and I take care of you and I compliment you and I love you and, and right? So you have to recognize the good, the good's in your face. It's right there in front of you. A karzatov is when you're not having a good time. Being able to find the good in the bad. So even though my parents maybe have not treated me right and whatever it is, and they're not good parents and they, they abandoned me and everything else, they brought you into this world and they gave you the most important thing that a human being could give another human being. And what is that? More than life. Bigger than life, because the person could be having a miserable life. Don't give me life. Potential. They brought you into this world and the whole world's in front of you. They gave you the what is that called? That when you when you the art, what is the, the paper called? The canvas. They gave you the canvas to paint. They gave you life. They brought you to the world. But I didn't want to be here. Okay. Fine. But you're here. And now you're the potential to do anything. And you have to have a Satov that even though you're having a miserable life and stuff's not going correctly and you're going through a hard time, but you have the potential of having a good time. I just, I just spoke last night somewhere, and I was telling a person that Abraham Lincoln said something that I, I didn't understand. I had to think about it. He said, and I've spoken about this here before. He said, I cried because I had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. Right? Makes sense. Then it makes sense to me. Guy sitting on a stoop. It's snowing. He's got holes in his socks. Feet are freezing. He's crying. Oh my God, I have no shoes. And all of a sudden, a guy goes by in a wheelchair without legs. Did his feet stop freezing? His feet wet? Wet, freezing. What changed? What do you say, Abraham Lincoln, that you stop crying because some guy has it worse? That doesn't make my feet warm. So I'm a kind of kid that when I read this, I was like, uh, I, I, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. It's a nice saying, but I don't hear it. Everyone's like, wow, that's cool. But you know what? If you're the guy without the shoes, it's not cool. It's not cool. So I thought about it. And now I'll tell you what Abraham Lincoln was saying. He was brilliant. I love all his sayings. Him and Churchill, I, read their, I always like to read their sayings. He was saying like this. I cried. I had no shoes. But then I saw someone who doesn't have the potential to ever have shoes. And I realized that I have feet. So even though I don't have shoes right now, one day I could have shoes. And when I realized that, there's nothing to cry about anymore. Godless. You hear what he was saying? I'm crying. My feet are freezing. But my feet won't freeze forever. Because I have feet. So I can get shoes. So understanding that I have the potential one day of getting the shoes, I'm not focusing on what I don't have. I'm focusing on what one day I could have. But the guy who has no feet, he's never going to have shoes. I had a big question on my whole tight because my question on my whole tights is, he doesn't need shoes. 
He doesn't need shoes. So what's the big thing that he doesn't, what's the potential? And the answer is, he doesn't have feet. So he realized, I have feet, so I have the potential to walk, to have shoes, to this, to that, to run, to jump, to play ball, whatever it is. This guy has, this guy has no potential. So I'm not going to focus on what's happening right now. I'm going to focus on my potential. And I t- some girls that are a little older that are not married, when I speak to them, I'm like, don't focus that you're not married. Focus on that you could get married. You could get married. Mitzvah one day you'll get married. Maybe it's not right now, but you could get married. But the person that died, they're not getting married. They can't get married. They're not alive anymore. So that's a tragedy, and that's why we said Shiva. That's going through a hard time. But in Mitzvah Hashem, you could get married one day. You could have children. You, you know, you might be struggling, whatever it is. The doctor's like, it's very hard. We're at, we're trying this and that. But I could. If I could, if you focus on the could, you focus on the potential, it makes the reality much easier to live with. He also said that, I, that people cry that roses have thorns and people rejoice that thorns have roses, which is an unbelievable dvatayra. Because roses have thorns, Right? But when a person's going through a hard time and those are the thorns in your life, the end of the day, again, the potential of those thorns are to have flowers. There are many thorns in the world. I lived in Muncie. My whole backyard was full of thorns. You couldn't walk through it. They didn't give anything. They just hurt you. They ripped your clothing. There's no, they had no, thorns had no potential. But a rose, yes, there's thorns, but look, what, look what's on top of the. So you have to focus on the good and not on the bad. That's what he was saying. He was very into, Lincoln was very into focusing on the potential and not on, not on the reality if the reality isn't good. Everyone's following me or I'm a little bit lost over here? You look a little bit lost. Okay, so we all understand what I'm saying? So that's, it's very important in life altogether because we all struggle. And like sometimes even in business, you're not doing well, right? And you're getting very depressed. Don't get depressed because just like you're not doing well right now, but Bakshim, you're alive. You're not, you, you have money to invest, or you don't have money to invest, but you're alive and you can work. Okay, so you don't have it right now, but you have the potential. And one day, a lottery ticket, and one day, someone gives you a tip on something, and one day, Hashem puts a machshava to buy a piece of... I, when I first started, I got married in 1978. Okay? I went into the plastic bag business. Right? Which right now, Cuomo's trying to destroy. Cuomo decided that New York State can't have any more plastic. Okay, so people come over to you like, Rabbi, your business is going to be over. You're going to lose. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want to allow like California, L.A. No plastic, only paper, not even recycled. He wants out. It's my business. So people come over to you all day like, Wallace, what are you going to do? Your whole business, New York. And I'm like, God runs my business. So I sell paper. I'm still alive. I still have a brain. Okay, so you got, you don't be stupid. The guy says, if there's gonna be no plastic, you still need a bag. Okay, so shift, go into paper. Don't, don't, don't get depressed. What are you gonna get depressed? You're gonna sit there and cry that he doesn't allow plastic if that's gonna happen. If that's what Hashem wants to happen. So there's a potential. Great, you know, I got paper. So anyway, when I went into the business, so it was 1978. 1978, so the, uh, the factory that I was working with was a Chinese factory. Where was this factory? In downtown Williamsburg, on the water. Okay? They had signs on all the buildings. They were all broken down buildings, broken down warehouses. It was a very bad area. There were, there were not such good people walking around over there. And I would drive to the factory. And again, it was a factory, plastic bags, smelly, alcohol, you know, inks and everything. The whole place was very, very down. They had these signs. For sale. So I called one of them. I was a young guy. And they said, just pay the back taxes. It's yours. They weren't, they didn't want money for the building. The building was, you know, and then you have to fix the building, whatever you know. So they, right, the back taxes, right? I said, ah, I'm going to go into the stock market. This is not, right? And I went to the stock market with my money that I was making. I lost it all. Today, those buildings are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. If you go to downtown Williamsburg on Flushing and all those things, it became yuppie. It's across from Manhattan. You can't, you can't buy a piece of property there. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Wasn't meant to be. So I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry that, oh my God, had I known that, my kids, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren wouldn't have to work, which is not such a good thing. But anyway, 
Right? And the answer is, a Kirsch Bochel, that wasn't for me. Because guess what? If I was making all that money, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing there. I'd be busy with my business. So you just, you just, as long as you have the potential, Baruch Hashem, have a business, have the potential to go to work, and Hashem will give me the right ideas. We, as human beings, have to focus on our potential. And as long as we have potential, I have, I have feet, but they don't have socks, and they don't have shoes, and I'm crying because my feet are cold. Relax. Tomorrow your feet might not be cold anymore. You have feet. Focus on what you have. You have a head. You have an IQ. You're, you're, you weren't born Down syndrome, right? Down syndrome kids, they're the happiest, most unbelievable kids because they're happy with what they have. They're not focusing on what they don't have. You gotta forget, you can learn so much. I, there's a, a minion that I dabbled in by Landau's and all the, there's a whole school of Down syndrome kids by Mitzvah boys that dabbled in that minion. That is the best minion of the day. Because when they say Amen and they scream Amen, it's, it's coming from their heart and they're all smiling. The rest of the shows like Amen, Amen, Yehei, Shemay, and they're like, Amen! They love to dabble into Hashem. It's amazing to watch. They're real. They're not focusing on that. They don't have this, the, you know, the color that everybody else. You know my moth story? You remember my moth story? I just said it over to someone. Hashem, you know, before I give a shit, I say to Hashem, it should come out of my mouth what people need to hear. I just, I don't even know why I went to Down Syndrome because it happens to be I was in their minion yesterday and I get very excited. I feel like when you dive with them, you don't have to dive in. You just sit there, be quietly, and all your tefillahs, all your thoughts will go to Shemayim. They're all tzaddikim. They're the biggest neshamas in the world. They're the biggest shamas. They can't sin. They can't do an avera. They come down this world. They can't do an avera. They can only do mitzvahs. It's it's a high. Other people feel that they disturb them. I'm like, you're idiots. You're idiots. If you think they're disturbing you, just sit, keep your mouth shut and just sit in that minion and anything you want is going to be in Shemayim. Because if you don't think Hashem's opening Shemayim with his angels and saying, these are my real children. These are my real children. You're crazy. People are bothered and they're yelling at this. Like, yeah. They kiss the Torah 10 minutes. You know, when they bring the Torah to them, so everyone kisses the Torah, they're like, hugging it! They're like, and the guy just stands, it's like, ah. All right, when I think about it, it's like, wow. So, I have to tell you a true story. So, I talked a lot in the beginning, when we first started Ornava, I talked a lot about the butterfly. A lot about the butterfly. That's my whole speech, and suffering, and going to cocoon, getting your wings, not knowing that you have wings, because they're behind you. Most people don't know their potential, because they don't realize it, so the butterfly shows how to use the wing, and then the other butterfly learns how to fly, and Ornava, we're the butterfly that shows the other butterfly how to fly, and that you have wings. And that's how I started Ornava, that was my whole... So I used to talk about it a lot. There was a Down Syndrome girl that sat right here. She came to my share every, every Wednesday. She was great. She sat there, she smiled. I was like, the only girl smiling at me while I'm talking was this girl. She, she was great. One day, she comes over to me, she says, can we go upstairs? Can I talk to you? I was like, sure. I want to tell you a story. I was like, really? Okay. We go upstairs to the room upstairs. She sits down, just me and her in the room. She looks at me and she says, Rabbi Wallerstein, do you know the story of the moth? I was talking about the butterfly the whole time. She's like, do you know the story of the moth? I'm like, the story of the moth? She goes, yeah, you know the story of the moth? I'm like, no, I know the story of the butterfly. I don't know the story of the moth. You tell me the story of the moth. I have a not to like moth. They're fat, they're fuzzy, and they eat my clothing. I like, you know. <laughs> now, for some reason, we don't have mothballs anymore. But when I was growing up, we had mothballs in your closet. Oh, right? Okay. I don't know why we don't have them anymore, but I guess we don't have moths anymore. Anyway, I said, okay, tell me, this, tell me your story. Very clearly, very clearly, she tells me the story. She says, there was once an old lady, a grandmother, and her granddaughter sitting on a porch. And a big fat moth landed on the railing. And the little girl took her book to kill the moth. And the grandmother said, don't kill the moth. Do you know the story of the moth? And the little girl said, no. So the grandmother told the little girl the story of the moth. When God created the world, he created butterflies. And he gave him, this is what she's telling me the story, very clearly. And he gave them all their colors. And then people, sin, people sinned and God destroyed the world. I'm listening to this kid. I'm like, wow. This is like, she's telling me like a, a Misa. And after he destroyed the world, he said he would never do it again. 
and he's going to give the, the people a sign, a rainbow. But God had no colors left because he created the world already. So he called together his butterflies. And I'm thinking, is this a medrash? Like, <laughs> this is like, he called together his butterflies and he asked them for his colors back so he could make the rainbow to show the people that he'll never do it again. And some butterflies volunteered to give them their colors. And that is the moth. The moth, Rabbi Wallerstein, is a butterfly that gave up their colors so Hashem would be able to make the rainbow. I was like, where did you hear that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, did your teacher tell you this story? Did you read it anywhere? She says, I don't know. I was extremely moved by it. And I was so disturbed by it that I called Rabbi Gamliel, my rabbi, and I told him the story. The Down syndrome girl, and she's telling me a whole story about a moth. And the moth, I said, is there such a medrash? Ridiculous, there's no such medrash. Hashem didn't need butterflies to give his calls, whatever it is. I said, Rebbe, what, what, you know, nobody says something to you unless it's sent from Shemayim. And if it's a Down syndrome child, it's mamish sent from Shemayim. So God's giving me a message. What's the message? And he said that maybe what she's telling you is there are certain neshamas in the other world that give their colors up for other souls. And they come to this world as Down syndrome, not colorful productive people, everybody looks at them differently, like you look at the moth differently. It's not pretty, it's not like the, it's not like, it's not pretty like the, like the butterfly. So what she was saying, what he said to me, my Rebbe, he said, she was saying to you, I'm really a butterfly that gave up my colors, Rebbe. That's what she was saying to you. Don't look at us like a moth. We're not moth. We're butterflies. I was like, wow! That's crazy! So I went home. I said, let me check this out. Is a butterfly and a moth the same species? Are they the same? In other words, a butterfly gave up his colors because that's how I am. If he gave up his colors and now he's a moth, he's got to be the same. Look it up tonight. Google it. They're the same. They go through, the only, both of them go through a metamorphosis. For some reason, some come out with color some come out with no color. But the only two insects that go through metamorphosis is a butterfly and a moth because they're the same lava, the same species, the same everything. We have no idea what's really going on in this world. That I can tell you. That was the story of the moth. So just talking about Down syndrome kids, they're Kaddish Kaddashim. And that's why all the Gedolim, when they walked into a room, the Chazan Ish, everybody would get up and stand up for them. Because those are the holiest souls. Because they're real. Because they're special. And that's why they're called special needs. Because they really are special. And to be able to stand next to one who's davening, or making a bracha, just in your mind, wish to Hashem whatever you need, your tefillah hangs on to their tefillah, goes to the highest place in the world. Focus on what you have. Focus on your potential. Focus on the ability of being alive and being a human being that you can make someone smile. You could help somebody. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on, I don't have shoes. Focus on, I have feet. Even though those feet are bare at the moment. They don't have shoes. Don't focus on, I don't have shoes. Focus on, I have feet. Don't focus on the thorn of the rose. Focus on, the, on what's on top of the thorns. Focus on the rose. It's a... It's, what? at the end of the day at the end of the day they're not mitzvah and mitzvahs so they're protected that when the soul comes down here it can't go back with any avarious at the same time they're, they're, they're called a cher, uh, so if they do a mitzvah 
it's not on the level of our mitzvah because we're mitzvah v'aisa, we're commanded to do it and we do it, and they're any mitzvah v'aisa. They don't have really the das to keep a mitzvah. So the reason we don't daven for that is because, the same reason that a man says shalayas ani isha. I, I, thank you that I'm not a woman because a woman doesn't put on tefillin, a woman doesn't put on tzitzis. So we don't daven for such a child, but if you have such a child, you shouldn't feel that, that you were hurt. And I have a friend that has one, and he's the greatest kid in the whole world. And he's even a better drummer than me. He's, he's the nachas. My friend was broken. He was broken when he was born. He was like, I, why me? Why this? Why that? It's his life today. He's the funniest, smartest little guy. He's always smiling. He always has something to say. He always says, Zachaya, you're the best basketball player in the world. So I'm happy, whatever it is. But, but he's, he's great. He's great. So should you daven for it? No. Because you want to have a child that's going to be able to keep the mitzvahs and have children and continue the generations. But those neshamas that come down are very holy neshamas because they're guaranteed. When we come down to this world, right? So let's say you, all of us in this room, last time we were here, we weren't so bad because then we would be in hell. But we weren't so good because then we'd be in Ganeiden. So all of us here last time were Bainanim. We were in the middle. We have some stuff we came back here to fix. The problem with that is, let's say last time you came up to Shemayim with 10,000 sins. Now you come back to fix it. You might come back this time with 50,000 sins. So it's a gamble. It's a gamble. The Neshama takes a swore. I'm going to come back better. But it's a gamble. And a lot of tzaddikim don't want to gamble. So they go to Gehenna and they suffer. And they're like, I'm not, I'm not taking the chance. I have two Averis. I'm going to come down to this world, right? Do it over again and come home, come back as a Russia. I left as a sort of a tzaddik, but I have something to clean. Why should I take the chance to come back here? And I may end up being a Russia. It's a gamble. The big tzaddikim, Hashem says, you just need to do some time in this world. But I guarantee you, you do your time, the Averis to go away. You will not have any more Averis. How can you guarantee me that? Maybe I'm going to steal. Maybe I'm going to eat unkosher. How can you guarantee that? You're going to come down as an autistic or Down syndrome child. So therefore, you're not, you're not called a bar das. So you're a virus. Don't count as a virus. And therefore, you'll live whatever you'll live. You'll fix what you had to fix. And you'll come back clean. No one deserves that guarantee unless you're huge. So the neshama in an autistic or Down syndrome child has to be a huge tzaddik because he's guaranteed he'll do his time and he'll go straight to Ganeid and he'll come back better than he left, guaranteed. And that's why when they come into a room, everybody stands. Why do they have to live so long? Sometimes they have to, 35, 45, 50, whatever years it is, yeah. to be masaking what they have to be masaking. But they don't have a hero. What? They don't have a hero. They don't have a hero. So They're not a baradas. They don't have a hero. Like, They're protected not to, most of them have very happy lives. They're very happy kids. It's time. Coming back, right, it's time. Like, they're not a bar, they're not considered like, a bar das. Halacha. Well, autistic kids aren't like I, I can't paskin halacha what's a bar das and what's not a bar das. If, if they're not able to understand what they're doing, right, in a deep way, so they're not, they're not a bar das. So most of them you have to, you know, they, they're, they're not on that, on that IQ level or that high, or that, or that level. So they're protected. They're protected. They're tzaddikim. And if you watch them daven, you realize those souls are definitely tzaddikim souls. So they have to do their tikkun. We have to do our tikkun too. But we could come back much worse than we got here. And that's a big gamble. Yes. They also have to come down here. For whatever reason, they need to come down here. Same thing. They're also protected not to be able to do anything wrong. It's, it's, it's a high level of neshama. Non-Jewish neshamas that can be on a very high level. They're, they're, the Goyim have tzaddikim also. There are, you know how many Goyim saved Jews during the Holocaust? Tzaddikim. They, get, they also have a Ganeiden. They also have a reward in the next world. 100%. 100%. Tzaddikim umosoylem, they're called. Tzaddikim umosoylem. Tzaddikim of the umos of the other world. Okay, anyway, I went totally off subject. Um... <laughs> Which never happens. Rabbi in the back, what was my what was what was our closing word yesterday that you came up with? Right. Well, that's a that's a different. Oh, that's the Gemara. Okay, good. Thank you. What? Right. 
So he reminded me yesterday that, so when I was talking to these girls, and I didn't have this because they only gave this to me yesterday, so in the din of sight, if a man thinks that his wife went into a room with another man, and they don't know what happened in the room, and he thinks that maybe she did something really bad, so they give her water to drink, and if she did something bad, her stomach blows up, and if not, if she never could have children, she can have children. So what do they give her to drink? So they write on a parchment Hashem's name, Hashem's whole name, then they erase it. They, they write the whole parsha of Saita, and then they erase it, and they put it into the water, and she drinks the water. And if she did something wrong, if she didn't do something wrong, so really the water makes peace between the husband and wife. He thinks she did something wrong, but if she drinks the water, nothing happens. He knows she didn't do anything wrong. So Hashem says, erase my name. Not, it's an Avera to erase Hashem's name. We never allowed to erase Hashem's name. I'm worried a little bit about phones. If you, People write sometimes G-O, Hashem's name, G-O-D, and then they send you a message, right? And then are you allowed to erase that? So there's a whole thing that it's not a real word, it's not a real letter, but, but there's some people that say, because when you text and you erase, we see that the FBI can get the text back. They could? Yes. They could get anything back. We know that. It goes into some... If you send, if you send the text, it goes into some place that you can never get it erased. So, then it's not really erasing it. Because when you erase it on your phone, it's still not erased over there. So, pretty much, right. So, what I do is, I will go to the top of the message, where the person is from, and then I'll just erase the message without Hashem's name being there. Or they won't have the message printed and then erase it. I'll just go to the name, the message, and I'll erase the message so the name was never really there. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's, it's, not, it's not printed out yet, whatever it is. Anyway, so we see that our Kurdish Baruch Hu is willing to erase his name to bring Shalom bias. He's also willing to change the story to bring Shalom bias. Sorry, Menu said, my husband's too old. When Abraham Avinu said, what did she say? He said, he said, she said, she's too old. Because he didn't want to say that his wife, Hashem didn't want to say that Sarah said, you're an old man, you can't have children, because he would have been very hurt. Hashem changed what she said. We see that to God, you are more important than him. In every aspect. In every aspect. And as far as potential is concerned, the Gemara, I'm not going to read it from inside because it's very late, but the Gemara says you're not allowed to chop down, that's why the, you can't chop down a cherry tree. The lucha is you're not allowed to chop down a fruit tree. There's a tree in Borough Park, the corner of 51st and 14th Avenue, in front of a house that they've been trying to sell for 100 years. No one's buying it because if you buy a house, you want to knock it down and make it bigger. But there's a fruit tree in the front, and you're not allowed to chop down a fruit tree. You're allowed to pull a fruit tree out and plant it somewhere else. But the, everyone who went to, uh, the, all the, uh, the people who do the planting said, this tree is too old. If you pull it out, it will die. You can't pull it out. You're not allowed to chop it down. So they can't sell the house because they're not allowed to chop it down. No. So the Gemara says that one of the Tanam's son chopped down a, a fig tree, a date tree, before it died. He chopped it down. He died immediately. Now he knew the tire, right? He knew what the Gemara says. In, in Sadiq Aleph, you want to look it up, page, page 91 in Baba Kama. You're not allowed to chop down a tree. So, so, so what, what, what the, what the Mepharshim say is, he knew all these things. He was a Tana. And he died. So it's, it's Mashma that he knew a Hector, used it, like sell it to a guy, and he still died. Don't mess. Don't mess with a fruit tree. What if it dies? Then it dies. It's not your problem. So, you're allowed to cut the branches. You can't cut the tree. Now, listen to this. What happens if I take four branches, plant them, and four apple trees grow? So now, from this tree came four trees. Can I cut down the tree? The answer is no, because now you have four trees, and that tree should be five trees. You cannot ever cut down a fruit tree. Why? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You don't keep shabbos, you don't die right away. You eat chazer, you don't die right away. A tree. It's a fruit tree. Big deal. If you go and you pick all the apples on the fruit tree and throw them in the ocean, nothing happens to you. Nothing happens to you. But if you chop the tree down, you're dead. You're dead. What? Because you're cutting potential. So, so you chai misa if you kill a person. You chai bezim will put you to death right away if you had witnesses and everything else in those days. So I'm just, what? So, so what is it saying over here? Because the tree... The, the, in, in the world of Tzomeach, there's four levels in the world. Very, very fast. There's, there's daimeim, rocks, no life. Tzomeach, plants, 
Chai animals, medaber human being. The highest level of tzomeach is a fruit tree. Why? Because everything that plant, everything that you plant, a vegetable, a fruit, gives you one thing. The, the giving tree, a tree gives you shade, it gives you wood for fire, it gives you wood for furniture, it gives you fruit, right? So a tree gives, if any plant in the world, the thing that gives four things is a tree. It's the highest level of tzomeach. What's the highest level of them all? Medaber is a human being. Why? Because the human being is compared to the Eitz HaSadeh because we also have this crazy potential. Having children, building things, learning, doing mitzvahs. We have this crazy potential. When you kill a tree, you're killing the highest level of potential on Tzameach. Mida Kenege Mida, Hashem takes out the highest level on Chai, Amadaber, which is a human being. So you see how Mark Verakosh Baruch is in destroying potential, even if it's a fruit tree. So how careful we have, I, I gave the speech to teachers, how careful teachers have to make sure that they don't destroy the potential of their students. And principals have to make sure they don't destroy the potential of the students. And parents have to be careful that they don't destroy the potential of their children. If Hashem is worried about a fruit tree, He is surely worried about us. He ate us all that. So what we need to take away from tonight is don't judge a butterfly by its color. Number one, that story should remain with you forever. And w- what she's saying is that there are people in this world that don't have color, so to say. They're not, right? But you don't know, you know the famous, I, I, I know it's very late. I think he said the story, Shlomo Kalbach, but it's not his story. It's from a different story where there was this very ugly hunchback. It's a very famous story. Very ugly hunchback that nobody wanted to marry. And there was a, a very special girl that felt bad for him and said that she would marry him. And she married him. And on the night of the chuppah, after the chuppah, they went home. And he took off his shirt. And his body was so twisted and so ugly, she couldn't deal with it. And she said, I tried. I can't be with this guy. I can't go near him. He said, I understand. I, uh, I, I understand, but what are we going to do? She said, we'll go. I, I have to get a divorce. I can't. I can't. I can't, do, I can't do this. I wanted to. I tried. I can't. Okay. So the next day they went to the Rav, the Rebbe. I'm sure I get emails because a lot of people know which Rebbe it was. I don't remember what it was. And she goes in front of the Rebbe and she says, I tried, I married him, I tried, I can't, I can't, I can't touch, I can't, I can't go near this guy. He, his body is so grotesque, I can't. It was a different time, I don't know who the Rebbe was, and he said, really? You think you're so beautiful? She was very beautiful. He said, you think you're so beautiful? She said, ah, I don't, I, 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 I'm not saying I am, I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not. He says, go to the mirror. Go to the mirror in his room, I guess there was a mirror in his house, whatever. Look into the mirror. The famous story. And she, she looks into the mirror. She starts screaming. What did you do to me? She's looking in the mirror. Oh, she's hunched back. Her whole face is twisted. Everything is twisted. She's screaming. What did you do to me? He says, walk away from the mirror. She says, what did you do to me? He says, I didn't do anything to you. You're just as beautiful as you were before. She looks back in the mirror. Oh my God! Same thing. Her face, her eyes, everything is twisted. Her bones, everything is twisted. What did you do to me? He says, sit down. He says, you were supposed to be born like this. When you were in Shemayim, I never said over the story, but a lot of people send me emails where the story comes from. It's a true story. Could be it was a Divrei Chaim. I'm not sure what happened. He says, when you were online... You know, Shammah was online to come down to this world. Hashem said, for whatever reason, whatever you did, this is the body, this is what it's going to look like that I'm putting you in. And there was an Hashem standing behind you, a boy. And he said, Hashem, you can't do that, she's a girl. No one will ever marry her, she'll never have children. No one's going to ever look at her. Give me that body. And the Debechayim said, that body that you can't look at, 
That's your body. That's what you're supposed to look like. And he's supposed to have your, not your body, but a beautiful body. Now look in the mirror. And she looked in the mirror and she was back to normal. And he said, you still want to get a divorce? She said, no. It's a very famous story that they stayed married and were happily ever at whatever it was. So it's sort of what this girl was telling me, like, you don't know what happened in Shemayim. You don't know what the person you're looking at as like a freak, like, look at this person, look what they look like, whatever they are. That person might have been the one standing behind you that took it on themselves, said you should look normal. Don't ever judge a book by its cover. That's what she was telling me. Don't look at the moth. The moth is a butterfly without colors. May we all be zaycha to see Mashiach and here be a main nor You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.